And just for a moment, as the Holy Spirit would guide, we will come from the message and the title, Bringing Down the Walls. Bringing Down the Walls. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you today. Lord, we thank you today. And we bless you and you wor we worship you. Dear Father, now I pray now that you would empty out myself and pour down your Holy Spirit on me as well as all that are here. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me and speak through me as your word is delivered. Lord, we love you and Lord, we thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You know, there are many types of walls that we encounter in life. Some walls are built to protect you. Some walls are built to hide you or to hide things. Some walls are built to block things. Some, some walls are built to memorialize. The Great Wall of China that was built by the Ming Dynasty was built to protect the country from marauders and invaders. The Berlin Wall was a wall that was created to divide East Germany and West Germany. But if you travel down to D.C., you'll see a wall that commemorates and memorializes Vietnam veterans. There are different types of walls that you can encounter. But in our story with Joshua, we see that there is a wall that is blocking God's people from their blessing. It's a wall that's blocking God's people from their, their blessing. Now, we have all heard many sermons about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. But as I revisited the story, I, I realized that as I began to do more research about what was going on, that the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho is definitely about walls. But it's more about authority and territory. It has more to do with authority and territory. Well, Reverend Mason, what are you talking about? Well, the thing that we need to understand that was going on, that Joshua was proceeding to take Jericho because Jericho was sitting on the promised land that was promised to God's people. That was the territory that belonged to God's people. And Joshua was given the authority to take it. Now, see, we, we have to understand who were the people that were actually there. Um, you see, the area that was we're talking about was occupied by the Canaanites. The Canaanites were people that had been actually cursed by God. If you write this reference, if you go and look at Genesis 9 and 25, you, you will see where it says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, and he shall be called his brother's slaves. You see, it had already been prophesied that the Canaanites were not God's people. And when you do your research on the Canaanites and who they were, you will find out that they were not God's people. They did not worship God. They worshiped idols. So we had idol worshipers who were cursed on God's land. 
idol worshipers that wanted nothing to do with God, but they sitting on God's land. There's something about that picture that just, just doesn't make sense. So through time, God sent his word down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Moses. And God told Moses to go to the promised land. Well, at this particular time, Moses had passed away, and the mantle of leadership had gone to Joshua. You see, we know from the story of Moses that that generation could not enter the promised land, and God had them to wander around for 40 years. It's nothing like wandering, is it? Some of us today are still wandering. I know sometimes I still wander, but I pray that God will take me to the promised land one day. So the background is, is that Joshua has a calling to go and take back his territory, but he's been given the authority of God. Well, maybe this will help you better understand. Let's, let's say you go home, and on Monday when the mail comes, you get a letter, and it says, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, we'd like to inform you that your great-great-great-grandfather has left you some land out in California. You start to do some research, and you say, oh, my goodness, this pile of land, this pile of land is worth millions of dollars. You fly out to California, getting your cab ride right over to the, to the land, and there's a Walmart sitting there. Why is there a Walmart on my land? You, you're going you're gonna to want some type of explanation. You're going to either want the Walmart or somebody's going to have to write you a check. Because your great-great-grandfather left you that land. That land belonged to your family. Why is there somebody there on your land and they don't deserve it? So we have to realize, we got to understand what's going on. You see, the land was promised to Joshua and his descendants. Through God's authority and through God's blessing, God gave it to him. See, we have to realize that sometimes in our life, we can allow the devil to come in our territory. We can allow the devil to come in and take over. Because what happens is the devil shows up in our territory and he occupies our territory. And that joker even has enough nerve enough to get on our territory and build up a wall and make camp. You see, but when we trust in Jesus, we have to be able to move the devil off of our territory. And you see, when we look at what Joshua is doing, if we follow his plan that's set out in this story. We can move the devil off of our territory. We can tear down those walls, and we can understand what God has for us. So as we look in our scripture and as we understand, we need to know, number one, that we're children of the king, and we are the head and not the tail. And three points I want to leave with you today that we have to follow if we're going to take back our territory and bring down the walls. And we can follow Joshua's example. Number one, we have to pay attention that Joshua walks in the authority of God's calling. Number one, Joshua walks in the authority of God's calling. Number two, Joshua walks in the authority of God's promises. He walks in the authority of God's promises. And then finally, Joshua walks in authority with obedience and praise. 
Joshua walks in authority with obedience and praise. So with our first point, when we talk about Joshua walking in his calling, see, we have to understand that as Joshua is proceeding on to Jericho, he's not just doing his own thing. Joshua didn't come up with this idea. This is not, he just didn't decide to get up in the morning and decide he was going to take Jericho. Joshua, he has a calling on his life. Do you have a calling on your life? Is there something that God has called you to do and you're sitting on it? Are, are you working in the ministry that God would have you to be in? You see, God chose Joshua as a leader. And see, when God calls you, you have to answer. Joshua submitted. Joshua answered the call. Joshua took up the mantle when Moses passed away. How was God using you in ministry? I hear some crickets chirping. How was God using you in ministry? How are you reaching out to those around you? What is that special thing that God has called you to do? So I want to encourage you today, encourage you today to press forth in the name of Jesus. You see, in Philippians 3 and 13, it says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, that I will press toward the mark of the prize of the calling that's in Christ Jesus. Are you pressing forward to the mark of the high calling in Jesus today? So Joshua answers his call. But see, but we have to remember that even though he's answering his call and that he's moving in his call, that he's still moving in God's authority. See, if we look at verse 6, it tells us that when Joshua was going into the battle, God tells him to take the Ark of the Covenant with you. See, the Ark of the Covenant is where they kept many holy things, but the most importantly, they kept the scrolls. They kept the scrolls. The scroll is God's word. So as they were going into battle, they had God's word with them. See, when you have to go into battle with the devil, you can't step out there by yourself. You have to step out with God's word. You see, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil said, hey, take those stones and make them bread. But what was Jesus' reply? He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When you're going into the battle, you've got to take the word of God with you. You see, the word of God represents God's authority. The word is God's power. And when you're going to step out into battle to take back your territory, to bring down your walls, You've got to have God's word with you. You see, we can draw on God's authority by reading his word. We've got to understand what his word means. And as you begin to understand God's word, then you can begin to walk in the authority of his promises. If you know God's word, then you can know his promises. So let's talk about that. We want to walk in the authority of God's promises. Verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, 
See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. See, God says with your promises, God says, I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. I've already, yeah, I'm saying it over and over for you. I've already given it to you. I'm not looking for a clap. I just want you, I've already given it to you. He's telling you that. You all know you've heard that. God has already given it to you. It's his promise. You see, Joshua goes forth in battle, and he's confident because he knows God has already given it to you. Well, how does God know, how does Joshua know that? What do you? What are you basing that on? Well, well, if we go back, if we look at, 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 what's, at what's plausible, if we look at that, we know that when Moses stood before the Pharaoh, Joshua was probably a little boy, right? Joshua was around. I mean, they weren't writing about it, but Joshua was around. So that means that when Moses went before the Pharaoh to tell the Pharaoh let my people go. Joshua was there. Joshua saw that. Okay, you with me? Joshua saw that. So he saw the promise fulfilled because there he is, little boy, walking out where we're going. Oh, we leaving. Are we leaving Pharaoh? So, okay, well, oh, why are we leaving? God's promise. And so then when they left Egypt, they started being chased by Pharaoh's army. So Joshua's with Moses, and they're running, and they're running towards the sea. And they get towards the sea, and Moses stretched out his hands. And Joshua sees the sea open up, and they walk across on dry land. See, Joshua sees, has seen God promises. You see, God, Joshua knew that God would never leave him or forsake him. Because, see, he looked back at what God had done for him. You see, today, if you look back, if you just look back at how God has already blessed you, if you look back for how God has already healed you, how he got you through life, how he's blessed you and kept you and got you education, and how he is keeping you today, you, you can know that God will keep his promises. See, Joshua knew about his promises. You see, so many times we miss what God has already given us. We forget the promises that he's already kept. You see, he did not bring you all this way just to leave you behind. And sometimes we really take God for granted for what he's promised. See, we ignore that God keeps his promise. You see, you can just ask the three Hebrew boys as they stood before the emperor and they told him that he was not, that they were not going to bow. See, they stood with confidence remembering God's promises. And you see, they refused to bow remembering God's promises. And even when they were in the fiery furnace, they went into the fiery furnace remembering God's promise. So when you face that wall, remember that God is going to deliver on his promises on your life. You see, it says in Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all, can we say all? All your needs according to his riches and glory. And then Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, 
says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And then in Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called, there's called again, according to his purpose. And so as we go to take back our territory in God's authority, we can walk with authority in God's calling. We can walk with authority in God's promises. And then finally, we can walk with authority in obedience and praise. You see, when we go back and we revisit the scripture, we, we can see that God gave Joshua some very specific and very strange and peculiar directions. He told Joshua to walk around the wall for seven times. Walk around the wall for seven times. Now, at, at face value, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I know a lot of us would be like, seven, seven times, what, what does that mean? You know, God, we're here. You could just, we're here. We showed up. Just make it happen. But what we have to do is we have to understand that there was a meaning behind the seven. There's a meaning behind the seven. The seven is just not a, number one, seven is God's number. When you do something for God, you have to do it in God's name. Seven is also the number of completion. When we do something for God, it has to be in decency and in order and in God's time. See, many times we feel like, say, okay, Reverend, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm running out. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my calling. I'm doing God's promises. Well, why ain't nothing happening? It's not, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. When we are waiting for the Lord to move, we have to be patient and work in his time and not our, and not our time. So the seven times represents completeness and walking in God's order. You see, God often tells us to do things that don't make sense. You see, that, that just doesn't make sense. You see, there's a bunch of things we could talk about. You see, it says in the Bible, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that overflows. That just doesn't make sense. How is it that I can give God my 10% and he's going to give back more? It's something that just doesn't make sense. And then we can go to the Bible that says, love your enemies. But, but I say to you who here, love your enemies, do to those, do good to those that hate you, bless those that curse you, pray for those that misuse you. That just doesn't make sense. And then Jesus went out and told the disciples, hey, look, I know we got 5,000 people out here, but all you got to do is give me those two fish and five loaves of bread. We're going to feed everybody today. But it just doesn't make sense. God is always telling us to do things that don't make sense. You see, we have to follow the Israelites' example. And we have to be obedient to what God is telling us. And then it says, verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, 
and the sound of the trumpet. And when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so everyone charged straight in, and they went in together and took the city. You see, when I think about that scene, I think about when all God's people get together. There's a song that says, when all God's people get together, what a time, what a time we're going to have. And see, when we lift up the praises to God, and when we have a personal worship time, and when we come together as the people of God and worship God, our walls are going to fall down. So we have to give God the praise until the walls start to fall. Give God the praise until your healing comes through. Give God the praise until that lost child comes home. Keep praising God until your walls fall. And when the praises go up, the walls will fall down. And so we have to walk in the, in the authority of God's calling. Are you walking in God's calling today and his authority? We have to walk in the authority of God's promise, promises. And we have to walk in the authority of obedience and praise. You know, my, my mother was a, a school teacher, and we had books all over the house. She made me read all the time, and, you know, I, it, it helped me out. And, and then when I was in, in fifth grade, I wasn't good at math, and it just so happened her school had the same math book that, that I did. So homework was a lot easier because she had all the answers in her book, you know. So, so it was good to have, have the books. But, but the thing that I enjoyed the most were the nursery rhyme books. And, and then, then I, I realized as I was preparing that it's so funny how the people in the nursery rhymes act like us. When you think about it, let me just, let me just tell you. See, there was old King Cole. Y'all know there was old King Cole was a merry old soul. And a merry old soul was he. He called for his pipe and he called for his bowl. And he called for his fiddler's three, just having a good old time. You see, but some of us are, are like old King Cole. You see, we're so caught up in the cares of the world and being merry instead of following the calling of God in our life. You see, then there's another person. There was the old woman that lived in the shoe. You know, there was an old woman that lived in the shoe. She had so many kids, children, she didn't know what to do. You see, we spend a lot of time saying that we don't know what we're going to do and ignoring God's promise that says he will supply all your needs to his riches and glory. And then the, my favorite, Humpty Dumpty. Now, Humpty Dumpty had a wall issue. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You see, Humpty Dumpty had a wall issue. And he chose, instead of seeking the Lord and breaking down the wall, he chose to go sit on top of the wall. See, Humpty Dumpty was actually riding the fence. 
between two opinions. You see, Humpty Dumpty wanted to be in the world, but he was trying to figure out whether he was going to be in the world or whether he was going to follow God. You see, a lot of us today, we're trying to keep one leg in the world on Sunday, but the rest of the week we're trying to follow, we're trying to keep one leg of God, excuse me, we're trying to follow God on Sunday and then put and follow the world the rest of the week. And so Humpty Dumpty has a fall. But then there was Mary. Mary had the little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. How many know that the lamb would never leave you or forsake you? You see, the lamb followed her to school one day, which was against the rules. And it made the children laugh and play to see the lamb at school. You see, today we've got to follow Jesus. We've got to follow Jesus because Mary didn't have just a lamb. Mary had a baby whose name was Jesus, and he came through 40 and two generations. He healed people on earth. He died on the cross, and he hung there for your sins and my sins. You see, Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb that will heal you. Jesus is the lamb that will bring down the walls. Jesus is the lamb that will help you take back your territory. Jesus is the lamb. So as we follow the Lord and as we follow the lamb, he's going to help you bring down the walls and to take back your territory and bring down those walls. God bless you and heaven smile upon you. Amen. Maybe there's one at this time, after hearing the call of God, you'd like to come give your life to Christ. Don't just continue to try to bring down those walls on your own. Let Jesus come into your life. Help you take back your territory. You know that God will always keep his promises.